I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. has been for several years and the picture is oh, wow. Kehinde Wiley and my like on a boat together like fishing yeah. yeah and then he scrolls through another few and then he says uh did you happen to see this piece of work at the exhibit and it's like a stained glass of like this young black man and I said yeah I did see that and he goes yeah that was my nephew oh, yeah wow. oh that's so crazy Oh yeah. my god. Crazy. Jeez. <laughs> it's so crazy too because I mean these pieces are going to be in museums circulating for I mean who yeah. knows, you know, hundreds yeah. of years. And th- that was something I was just reading about his pieces is that he tends to find sort of local people, people who aren't even really mm-hmm. like celebrities in the wider mm-hmm. area where they yeah. live and create these portraits yes, of yes. that are so grand. And so it's like his nephew is immortalized now in this incredible yep. piece. That's it's so, so crazy. Oh, yeah, that so caught cool. me off guard. I was just like floored by that. Um, yeah. <laughs> hmm. You look like you wanted to say something, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I just had a funny experience the other day. It's just interesting on like a, a sociological level, I mm-hmm. guess. I went to a comic book shop here in Oklahoma where I've been working and uh so I I go to this comic book shop because I wanted to get that Rick Remender comic that you had recommended to me A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance right yes oh it's so good oh it's so good oh (laughs) man oh man keep going all right all right I'm excited man but they didn't fucking have it in this place no oh my god man I'm so sorry I just had this really interesting interaction, though, with the guy who ran it. This, like, older gentleman 
<laughs> not a particularly like mobile looking person, you know? So I asked him about that, and then I asked him about uh, Batman R.I.P., which was a comic that Blue had recommended to me. I think it's a Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison, yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, So I wanted to try and pick up both of those. And the Batman comic, I guess they just didn't have in stock. But the, oh, man. the other one he hadn't even heard of or anything. I said, oh, yeah, I think it's an image comic. And he's like, oh, yeah, we don't carry any of those. And hmm. I was immediately struck by it. I mean, this yeah. image is huge, huge, huge comic brand. Yes. And he's like, yeah, you know, their stuff just tends to get pretty adult a lot of times. And oh. uh, we just don't carry that kind of stuff. And he says, because, oh. you know, Oklahoma is not supposed to be an adult state. Oh. <laughs> and I thought that was such oh, an interesting comment. From the comic book store guy. And, and he went on to say, he was like, you know, that comic saga, that's like one of the best-selling comics yeah. in the nation. And we can't put that in here because they got porn on every other page in that one, what? you know? And, <laughs> that's and, so and, ridiculous. But so he... Was he saying this ironically, or was he sincere about? No, like, he was sincere. He was he sincere. Was okay, upset all right. That adult material was in so many comics these days, and just the idea of this isn't supposed to be an adult state. Yeah, because this state is so conservative, everyone in it has to only consume culture made for children. Yeah, like that was the yeah. basic. Because mm-hmm. I looked around yeah, th- this fucking oh, comic book store, man, and there were like 20 dudes in there, and they were all at least my age, if not mm-hmm. older, like late 30s, early mm-hmm. 40s, and they were playing Warhammer, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't see any children in this place. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. It's just okay. like, yeah, who is going to be so corrupted? I don't know. Like, this is not a place for adult, this is not an adult state, but then also, like, are, we all can right. mature here, right? Like, we all can, we can do that. Yeah, some of these comics are not necessarily made for children, no. but the idea that culturally that shouldn't be allowed right. in an entire an entire state, an, an entire ent- landmass, <laughs> entire land- <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> just uh, and just that landmass too. Yeah. Other landmasses are fine if they are in an I adult guess. state. Right, those yeah. palaces of sin or whatever, you know, <laughs> those reckless hives of scum oh, and villainy. Boy. Yeah, like Maryland. <laughs> them and them crabs. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh. So boy, yeah, oh that was just an amazing. That's and amazing. It, it was just so him not at all considering the implications of what he was saying, yeah, but wow. very sincere and forthright really? in his belief that these dirty comics shouldn't be wow. here where kids can just buy them, even wow. though he's got a store full of forty-year-olds. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. That's fascinating because I would assume that comic book shops are universal in the type of person that they attract, perhaps even the values um, espoused by them like across state lines. But now what you are definitely running into is like, no, comic books are uh, regional and comic book stores yeah. are regional yeah. and their values and their mores. I wasn't expecting that yeah, either. Yeah, I wouldn't would have thought that. would be a haven for weird, creative people mm-hmm. who yeah. would yeah. appreciate that stuff. Exactly. Not entirely. <laughs> That's really odd, man. Hmm. It's just weird, too, because, you know, I think about there being this sort of old guard in comics, people who have been following, you know, these brands for so long. And then I think about all of the exciting 
newer, possibly more adult comics that are coming out right now Mm -hmm. and how those are probably actually skewing to a younger, more diverse audience, Mm -hmm. you know? And just that the same people who would be like, oh, comic books should be for kids are actually the old guard who have been with it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That is wild. (laughs) Dude, I'm ready to get the fuck out of this state, dude. (laughs) Let me tell you. Oh, boy. This flat, (laughs) barren, plague-infested wasteland. No comic book heaven. Yeah. Hang in there, man. (laughs) I'll be home at the end of next week. All right, cool. There's that. Are we doing this? Yeah, let's get into let's it. Let's just go sure. ahead and do it. Why not? Oof, we have so much. We have so this much. This is a big one. This is a, this okay. Is a yeah, one, let me just. Oof. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Goat Season. We are so happy to have you with us. This is a podcast about the greatest individual seasons of television of all time, their most memorable episodes, and their creative teams, both in front of and behind the camera. I'm Phil Mitchell, and along with me is my co-host, new father, new parent, Mr. Alex Anessi. Congratulations, man. Dude, dude. Oh, I am so happy for you, my guy. Guy, and listeners, he's laughing right now. You see, yeah, I know. Okay, so, uh, so, Tatum is old at this point? We've never, we, I know we haven't talked about them much. Tatum is a very healthy four-year-old uh, chestburster xenomorph. And, no, uh, no, 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 no. Tatum and then, I mean, what? So Tatum and Jeffrey? Name's Jeffrey, right? Jeffrey Wright, actually. Yes. After my favorite actor. Your favorite yes. actor. No, Jeffrey and Jeffrey is a healthy... <laughs> Healthy, what, six and a half, seven pounds? That's why you texted me. <laughs> why are you laughing about this? Don't, don't joke about this shit, man. <laughs> don't this joke about your nightmare, own kids. Man. All right, whatever, fine. I was just trying to give you a shout out on your new status as a father, uh-huh. but clearly I, you don't want I'm me to do that. I'm keeping these kids under wraps. Okay. I'm keeping, like, blankets over their heads when they go okay. out in public, oh, like Michael okay, Jackson. Okay, so you're just going to go full on Michael Jackson. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay. So yeah, we've got the final four episodes of Cowboy Bebop to talk about yeah. today. I, I, I'm not sure that Real Folk Blues Part 2 is the best series finale ever, but I would say that these final four episodes could yeah. be considered like the best run leading up to a series finale ever. Thinking about it, I was like, the format that we chose for this series... I've really enjoyed so far, but I feel like this is the place where it's biting us a little, maybe, because there's just so much to say mm-hmm. about every single one of these episodes. I yeah. mean, they're all huge. Yep. They have enormous implications for the entire run of the show. And I agree. I mean, I think it's overall one of the strongest last runs of a show ever. Yeah. yeah. Oof. I couldn't believe it. Like every t- every time I watch it, because I think maybe I've watched this three times through. This might yeah. be the third or fourth time. And every time I've watched it, I've always picked up something new. Yeah, within like the last four episodes. Just something kind of subtle, you know. Any Anything in particular this time? Um, I believe it is, uh, what was her name? Sister Clara. And we'll, we'll talk about this later. But mm. Sister Clara and her discussion about Edward and her father... And there's like one specific line that she drops that, yeah, we'll get into later. And I realize, oh, my God, that's like the crux of the show, I think. Oh, wow. Wow. I can't wait to hear. Or at least these last four episodes. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had a bit of a different 
experience with Bebop, which is I watched it so many times when I was a teenager into my early 20s. And then I probably hadn't seen it in a good at least five years, probably longer Mm -hmm. since I had watched the series straight through. Mm -hmm. And it was like I texted you, man. I, I was like, I cannot believe it, but this show is better than I remembered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had watched it and loved it. And it mm-hmm. has always been one of my favorite shows ever. It's definitely my favorite anime of all yeah. time. And I was watching it again and I was like, this is better than I had always held it in my mind as being even. It's yeah. that strong. Yeah. yeah. I think it gets better with every ro- like every watch, at least in my opinion. Maybe just because I'm getting older, man. But it's like, <sighs> I find that media I love and also media I'm discovering for the first time can just like kind of open me up emotionally a lot more than it Mm -hmm. used to. Mm -hmm. And all four of these episodes just really hit me hard watching them again. Like I I don't think I've ever been this affected by the show. Yeah. Honestly, even though I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Do you think it's like life experience? Maybe, maybe yeah. that's part of it. I don't know. I mean, oh, we've man. Just we can just get into this. Really, whole... We've been doing some weird we ass really... times. Okay, too, man. I mean, you yeah, know? you're right. But like, I mean, we might just hop right on into a conversation about like one's relation to specific pieces of media and how that changes as like our own life experiences change, right? I, I think do we want to do that? Changing a lot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh boy, I'm open. It's a heavy topic. I mean, I, it uh, is sure, a heavy topic. it is a yeah. heavy, and I can say that I probably would say the same for Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Oh yeah, I'd say I enjoy Batman Begins now more than I did then because it is so lighthearted and kind of silly and a little screwy, and I think I take the Dark Knight much more seriously in 2022 than I ever did like back in 20 no 2008. Yeah, it's just way too... I find it much more a frightening film. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of oppressive now mm-hmm. because of all of the shit that we've been through. We're like, ugh. Yeah. You just see people being radicalized and you're like, this shit's scary now. This shit isn't just mm-hmm. a fictional universe we can have fun in anymore. The stakes feel higher. Oh, I, I agree. I can see that. I can yeah. see that for sure. I haven't watched those in a minute either, honestly, dude. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, part of it for me and... I think this was kind of an experience that came about from the pandemic too, is I started doing this somewhat fatalistic exercise of, I set a goal for myself on the list of a thousand and one movies to watch before you die. Yeah. And I've been filling that in and I'm actually really, really close to my goal, which is 50%. I only have to watch two more movies. Oh, nice man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a, a work in progress for like years now. But it was cool going through it because, you know, I didn't love every movie I watched, but I found it was like a fun way to expose myself to a lot of new artists and new genres, the cinematic output of different countries that I had never really seen before, too. Mm -hmm. But I found like some of these movies I really, really loved, dude. And some of these movies I was almost immediately like, okay, that's one of my favorite movies now. And I thought about it and I was like, man my favorite movies had kind of been set in stone for a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like all through my 20s, my favorite films didn't change very much. I had my favorites. I had the movies that had the biggest impact on me. And I was like, yeah, of course, those are the ones. And 
it's only been much more recently. And I think it's a combination of both like the pandemic having us all like sort of slow down and kind of really meditate stock of Mm -hmm. everything in our lives, but also just getting older that I was like, yeah, I can, I can start to change what my very favorite things are. Mm -hmm. And that's been a really cool experience. And in the same way, it's been a cool experience with Cowboy Bebop to go in and be like, Mm -hmm. wow, I appreciate one of my favorite shows ever Mm -hmm. even more now. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe with the pandemic, because so many of us were lonely throughout that process. And so many of us were like isolated from friends and family you know, physically, I remember talking with someone recently about how, how sad it was to not be able to give someone like a hug. And, you know, here we are watching an anime that is in some ways about loneliness and being isolated from other people. And so I think, yeah, that hits much more um, on a personal level now than it ever would have even as, you know, as recently as four years ago. That ties into the very end of the show so much yeah uh, and i don't i don't even want to get there yet i don't even want to get there <laughs> oh, no. let's talk about the oh, other no. episodes first oh no because it is oh, i'm no. like okay. immediately like oh god <laughs> yes we can't create these connections between ourselves we just gotta go <laughs> die in a hail of gunfire spoilers oh, everybody knows boy. fuck it <laughs> all right here we just okay let's just <sighs> i don't I'm even like know how to talk about these here. i re- <laughs> Okay, see, okay, what's really funny about that is I started to rank the episodes and I got like three in and I was like, oh no. I was like, I can't do it. Two in my feels about all of these. Oh no. It's so hard. It is really hard. I literally put in the notes, this is going to be so hard. (laughs) Oh, okay, all right. I I got my list though. I feel like really good about it. Do we want to do that right now? No, do we no, want? No. Okay, wait. you want to wait? wait? Okay, all right. Let's what do, do we want to? What do we want to get into? And... All right. Let's let's just talk about brain scratch. Okay. Yeah. Amazing episode. Incredible. So when it seems that Faye has been uh, joined a mysterious cult called mm-hmm. Scratch, it's dedicated to leaving their bodies um, and joining sort of like this mysterious sea of electrons. Um, and it's a clear reference to uh, 1997's Heaven's Gate cult. Um, so Spike and Jet are off to both rescue Faye and then also find the Scratch cult leader, um, whose name is Dr. Londis. Yeah, the cult is also definitely a reference to the Om um, Shinrikyo movement, mm-hmm. the cult in Japan that had a sarin gas attack in a subway in oh, 1995, that's... Okay. just like three years before mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And they were very much a sort of transcendentalist mm-hmm. cult that encouraged their members to commit suicide or to kill people who weren't in the cult to sort of like free them from mm-hmm. their sinful identities essentially. Wow. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is wild. So all of that stuff yeah. is <laughs> boiling up to the boiling surface. Boiling over. Yeah. 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 So I guess like following what can only be described as like an epic hack by Ein, the data dog, yeah. is the most amazing thing that this dog ever does. And you're like, man, he could have done this the whole time for them. I feel like it's really in the spirit of the show, though, too, that it's like they just never knew what they had. And exactly. they pretty much continue to have no idea <laughs> what they the actually had in their possession of this dog. Yeah. Uh, a genius dog. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Ein performs like an amazing hack. This uh, allows Spike to rescue an unconscious Faye and also allows for him to confront 
a digital version of Dr. Londis, um, who appears to be a series of television screens stacked into a tower, and it's really, really terrifying. Oh, the mountain of TVs is yeah, such I a know, good image. Yeah, I know, the tower of TVs, it's really creepy. So yeah, Dr. Londis goes, he kind of goes on, he kind of rants about like the true nature of life and, and God and existence in media and control. Um, and meanwhile, Jet, with the help of Edward, tracks down the actual Dr. Londis to a coma unit in a hospital on Mars. Basically, he discovers that Londis is like the alter ego of a hacker whose name is Rosny Spangen, um, who was involved in an accident and has been placed in like a coma, but allows or is allowed to sort of like roam the internet or just like roam media at will via his consciousness. Jet obviously places the young person under arrest, and uh, it's a sour way to catch a bounty. Oh, but they don't actually catch the bounty. Oh, that's right, that's leaves, right, because he, le- he leaves that's the right, he sets on, on the bed. That's right, yeah. yeah, he almost arrests him and then just kind of, like, lets it go. It's such a nice them, again, not getting the bounty, but yeah. this time... choosing choice. not to, yeah. Oof. Yeah, it's uh, a heavy episode. I, I think I described it on our last episode of the pod how it might be the most experimental episode of the show because it really even though it's still within the plot structure of the team going after a bounty this is maybe the episode that most calls attention to the frame around the painting Mm -hmm. talks about how people invest so much in dramatic television and the idea of wanting to you know escape from reality and how in many situations that might not be the worst thing. Right. People right. might not have another option or they might feel like they don't really have any hope or any other way to escape from their lives. So this is a, another path that's being offered, essentially. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like the show doesn't condemn that idea, you know? Yeah. It, it presents the danger of it, but yes. it's also like this is just always going to be out there tempting people and that's the exact word that i was like thinking of is just like a temptation which in many ways would be a temptation like an apple that any of the three adults on the bebop would consider biting essentially like i could see all of them being like yeah why not why They've not all do this flirted with that in mm-hmm. their own ways right mm-hmm. you know they're all trapped in their own sort of existential memory palace situations that they have built up for themselves mm-hmm. yeah yeah good episode Uh, yeah it's it's a really oh man the the music in this one it made me think again i was talking with you about how yoko kano had previously experimented with using music as a sonic weapon oh that's right and this episode the weird synthy tones Mm -hmm. of the music in it i didn't even think about this really creepy hypnotic feel especially if you're watching this episode with headphones it kind of makes you feel a little insane and like you're of you course know, <laughs> transcending to a different plane of reality she's she's really good so you think at she that. finally got it you think she finally got it huh yeah i think she just like tests the waters every now and then you know <laughs> how many people can i get to turn into my robots oh boy. and join my cult army <laughs> what if yoko kano just has like an army of zombified people <laughs> Who have accidentally listened to her music. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't put it past her. Not at all. And good for her. <laughs> and I mean, I guess to an extent we're all in that cult because we've all like... Watched Cowboy Bebop. Bebop Multiple times. the music. Oh, no. Separate from the show and it's so good. Oh, uh, no. We are in trouble. Good episode. Love great. it. Um, I think it's one of the best 
I love the note that Londis ends on right before the screen cuts off of how human consciousness can never be contained within our physical bodies because there is so much ambition and and there is so much beyond just you know these little points of light that we're trapped on yeah yeah Yeah. there's also just so much heartbreak in the idea that this person felt so robbed of their life experience that they felt the need to because in some ways the Londis thing is a little bit of a charade right it is one part like yeah it is also like a grift to allow this person to share their misery so that they are not lonely in their, you know, comatose experience. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the stuff about like the dangers of television, you know, feels very 90s, I will say. But I mean, I I love the 90s product placement stuff in this episode. It's so good. And then the stuff about the transhumanism movement. I mean, that was like at least 10 years ahead of its time before I heard anyone talking about the idea of thinking about uploading one's digital self as a, you know, end goal of human evolution, stuff yep. like that. You know, like that shit that Grimes is into. Oh, you know? yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, I think it's very prescient. Yeah. This was one of those episodes that hit me harder on like a third or fourth rewatch this time around. I was like, oh, wow, this is oof. All four of these did, but yeah. Yeah. This one did especially. So what, we had Hard Luck Woman. I think that's the next episode. Yeah, so yeah. it's... Uh, oof. I'm not crying in this episode, but I mean, whatever. Oh, oh yeah. I know, I know. I know. Yeah, it's so emotional. It's so emotional. I mean, all right. So what? Faye decides... or She has been watching like the old Betamax tapes that she has. She identifies or realizes that Edward recognizes the location of perhaps her childhood home on Earth. And so, meanwhile, Spike and Jet are hunting for a nearby bounty, whose name is Appledeli Lufton. And so, on rubble-filled remains of Earth, Ed and Faye head to this orphanage. Um, and essentially, Ed is saying, like, I will help you, Faye, find this location that I kind of remember. But instead, they end up at this orphanage, um, which is a terrible... It's in, like, the worst spot ever. It's just in a crater, a water-filled crater that looks like it was, like, once the remains of a city. Um, And there's just, like, this nun whose name is Sister Clara who is taking care of these, like, half-feral children and, like, a vain attempt to, like, stave off, you know, Thunderdome. (laughs) (laughs) It's just all types of sad and weird. And The kids seem like they're having a great time. They do seem like a great time. And she does seem to be, like, a great, honest caretaker and honest person right yeah it so fits with ed too coming out of the worst place in yes. the solar system yes. you know <laughs> fucking this ruined earth and like all of her friends here you know she just managed to have the most absurdly positive energetic kind of an outlook on life she just loves every thing that she finds she's so swept up by just the joys of like small material things and the beauty of the world around her and uh yeah all of her friends her fellow students here seem to be on the same wavelength yeah they are all about that it's amazing so yeah sister clara basically says that ed showed up two to three years ago and then like eventually vanished which is how she came to uh, meet the bebop crew so jet and spike find apple deli who is a rogue asteroid hunter slash fugitive slash map maker, which I'm not even going to get into that because it's really complex. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Anyway, so 
when the two try to apprehend this guy, Ed comes to the fugitive's rescue because, dun-dun-dun, Apple Deli is Edward's long-lost father. And so they have, like, a brief reunion that's, like, super sweet and very, very kind and, like, touching. And then he leaves. Um, He tears off across, like, the crater pocked surface of the earth and he's going off in search of another meteor and he is not coming back and that's incredibly sad (laughs) incredibly sad and i think the episode ends what with faye having a flashback to the earlier experiences of her life she finally recalls most of what she has lost from her memory and she has images of her friends her family the accident that led to her coma um, and then the actual place the actual location um, where her home um, was located as a child. Yeah, she also meets with um, that woman who was a fellow student of hers. Yes. Who I think is with her granddaughter. Yes. And I have to assume that woman is the one who sent her the Betamax tape oh. in the mail. Right? Oh, that would be, be interesting. Last connection. Yeah, that would be an interesting way for things to kind of like come full circle because there's other things that come full circle later mm-hmm. on as well. But yeah, that would make a lot of sense. It's just one of those things, too, where Faye sees this woman and she's getting little flickers of her past coming back, but she can't accept that this woman is still a friend of hers or someone who she might have a connection with. Mm -hmm. And she's, like, still thinking, oh, no, there's some place out there for me that's totally preserved that I can go to that will just, like, solve my entire sense of identity. And instead she just finds this, like, barren empty ruin yeah an abandoned house the part where she draws the line of her bed yes in the dirt yes of what she knew used to be her room uh that it really is for me man it is yeah. powerful and that's not even the end of the episode because no, no. the end of the episode is ed choosing to leave the bebop without saying goodbye and um taking ein in tow um, and yeah. the two of them decide to leave And the thing that got me this time around was I recognized no one goes out after Ed. None of them decide that it's worth, like, maintaining community. And so I think this is where I'll get to what Sister Clara had said. She drops this interesting line, in this world, people must cherish whatever ties they have. And I thought that was so interesting because it's saying that you don't have to necessarily be, like, trapped to things that are behind you you can be okay with like the stuff that you've got around you in the present day. And so I think, I don't think she goes off to go find her dad. I'm not sure that she does. I think more than anything, what she realizes is that like, I'm not sure if any of these people actually care about me. And so it is okay if I leave. And I think they sort of like prove her right because none of them go off to go and find her and bring her back or tell her to stay. Right, right. Boy, I, I hadn't really ever thought about it like that. That does hit really hard. I mean, my thought about it was always kind of that... I, I just got the feeling that she recognized that the Bebop situation was fleeting and that she needed to go continue to forge her own path because I think identity is such an important thing with Ed. and mm-hmm. it's someone who is relentlessly carving out their own sense of self you know because she doesn't leave 
I mean, the way that she leaves is so sweet where, you know, she graffitis the deck of the bebop and leaves the pinwheel on the front yeah. of it. And you just feel like she appreciated her time there, but that, yeah, she has to move on. It's kind of like, um, did you ever read Into the Wild by John Krakauer? I did not. No. Oh, incredible book. No. But he, mm-hmm. he talks a lot in that about how the subject of the book, this real guy, Christopher McCandless, just had this moment where he decided to break from all society and he would hitchhike across the U.S. and then Canada and he would constantly meet people and they would all talk about how they had these amazing experiences with him, that he was this incredibly thoughtful and loving person, but that he always had to be moving on. He would say he would get itchy feet Mm, and mm -hmm. he had to continue to be a nomad. And yeah. I wonder if that's kind of the case with Ed, too. Possibly uh, so. I'm just so happy that Ayn goes with Ed. I know, Ed. yeah. That's such Those a two thing. deserve each other. And yeah. you know what? I think that they will be okay. I do, too. I yeah. do, too. I worry the least about them. Yeah. Of anyone. And it's funny. On a purely plot level, this is something that feels necessary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ed has to leave before all the, of the bad stuff. Ha- yes. Because that is such an adult story about adults trapping themselves in the past yeah. and committing to essentially a life of violence yeah. over anything else. Mm-hmm. And it just wouldn't be appropriate for her to be there, and you're glad that she's not. Mm-hmm. But what I was struck by, too, is like this episode does two things that a lot of TV shows do. A lot of TV shows will do in their season finales especially – and it almost never goes well. And this is like one of the most successful examples of it I can really ever think of. Mm-hmm. And it's these two things. One of the things is it gives you a huge amount of backstory for a character who is previously mysterious, in yeah. this case, Faye. It really fills in a ton of gaps with her. And almost any time a show does that, it's a little unsatisfying. You're a little like, I preferred the mystery. And now that the character's specific, they're not as interesting. And I think this is one of the only cases where it's a satisfying reveal. And at the end of it, I was glad to know more about Faye, honestly. And I felt like it enriched her character. And the other thing is to do a sentimental farewell to a character where... You know, you see it so often in shows where it's like, oh, well, this actor has to leave. So we're going to give them this big, grand, very sentimental send off. Yeah. And it's almost always not great TV. Yeah. And this episode does both of those things so well. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. You know, I always liked this episode, but I, I don't think I had ever thought of it as one of the very best. And watching it again, I'm like, no, this episode is so good. So good really great it's so successful at tugging at your heartstrings yeah i i really loved it watching it again Mm -hmm. even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, so I mean, all right, so we've got the last two episodes. They're intense. I am just yeah. going to try to like just, Ooh. yeah, this, the recap is so, it's complex and there's a lot going on to these last two episodes. This is the most concise I could possibly get in terms of good, what's man. happening here. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so what, like, we finally meet Julia. We finally meet yeah. her, who is like Spike's swoony, long lost love. She is living a quiet sort of like semi-in-hiding life on Mars. That's how it sort of seems. Like, she does not interact pretty regularly with people. That really changes when she is warned that she should flee underground as vicious resurfaces with intentions of a coup take over um, of the Red Dragon Syndicate, um, and then also killing anyone who was involved with, like, the old guard, including herself and also Spike. So Vicious's coup, it fails, and the Red Dragon elders respond also by trying to knock off anyone who was connected to Vicious in any way. That results in Jet being shot through the leg during an attempt on Spike's life, and then that also pushes Julia into connection with Faye um, when she's being chased by a group of like hired thugs. Faye and Julia connect. They realize like there's a common bond between them. They admire and like respect each other. And then Julia tells Faye to give Spike a message, which is essentially telling Spike to meet Julia at this specific location where they once had a uh, plan to meet each other during like a failed, uh, a failed escape, um, an ill-fated escape. It's better to put it that way. Right. But I mean, that time Spike had told Julia to meet him at the graveyard and she never showed. And she never showed. And yes. that's how he ended up leaving and getting into his current situation, into the yes. bounty hunter life. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she in turn is like, no, this time you meet me. Then. Yep. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I think this is interesting what you're talking about when you come to a place where right before the ending you get so much more backstory, which is I feel like they more clearly fleshed out the love triangle between Vicious, Spike, and Julia, which had been like hinted at before, but I think that they made it very, very concrete in this episode just through a few images and through like a few flashback sequences, um, which I thought worked. Yeah, I mean, it's so cool to watch the end credits again set to the real folk blues and just see how clearly the images are like laid out of the love triangle of vicious discovering them of how that must have led into that you know initial gunfight that spike lost his eye in and Mm -hmm. all of that but um yeah it's just it's all like seated in there and it's they explain a good bit in this episode but i don't think they ever over explain no and they also don't make it so concrete that it's like this belabored plot driven thing it's Mm -hmm. more you get the overall impression of what's happened yeah yeah it's interesting like i wonder what vicious and julia's relationship has been in the present right because he obviously hates her now he comes into her place and points a gun at her head and says do this to kill spike or you're both dead essentially but at the same time he's known where she is this whole time 
What has been their relationship since? Has he been allowing mm. her to survive? Has she become mm-hmm. like a gangster's mole or something? I like that they actually don't get into it. Yeah. In the live action show, which I won't, I promise I won't talk about too much, but on that show, they made it explicitly that she had been married to Vicious in the entire oh, time that Spike had been away. Okay, okay. Um, so she was really this like abused, kept woman. And, Interesting. Uh, it is kind of gross. I mean, that show was just so right. We've t- overreaching yeah. in its tone, and it it made all these ugly decisions with the characters where you're just yeah. like, oh, this is too much, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought that was interesting. And the other thing they did was they aged Spike up, and they also aged Julia down, which I thought really like changed the whole dynamic there in not a great way, honestly. Because mm-hmm. like to me, watching it again. I think I think I probably didn't understand this as much the first time I'd seen it, but like Julia is older than Spike and hmm. their relationship might have been the first really impactful one that he had ever had. Or Fair. at the very least she may have, you know, just taught him a lot about life mm-hmm. and sexuality and all kinds of things like that. And that impression made such a huge impact on his identity now getting back to her is all he can think about. And that just makes so much sense when Spike is this younger man, which yeah. he is. I mean, I, I looked it up. He's 27 years old in the show, which oh, uh, yeah. is crazy. He's probably even younger than I had assumed. But yeah. uh, also, obviously, they picked yeah. that number for a specific reason. <laughs> of course. You know, of course. Joins the 27 Club Yes. at the end of the show. Yeah. So they outline and clarify sort of like this love triangle between the three of these characters. And I think that uh, that works really, really well. Meanwhile, Vicious, he like pulls out the ultimate reverse Uno. He eliminates every elder and then he takes full control of the crime syndicate. And he does so with so much panache with one of just like the most emo lines <laughs> of all time like it is such an edgelord line man isn't it he is such an edgelord it's some real uh, afi sorrow <laughs> type shit man he says you will shed tears of scarlet and i was just like oh my god <laughs> this guy cannot in his defense i mean that oh, guy no, no. really does <laughs> he really does i just oh that's so visceral that he like cuts the dude's head open right under his eyes uh, and you don't even fully see it but the way it's yeah. staged it's so gruesome it's very 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 gruesome <laughs> it's a real edgelord line i'm surprised that wasn't like the name of one of my chemical romances world tours <laughs> the, now you will shed tears of scarlet tour also featuring the used it's a lot it's a it's a it definite a choice. It is a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that his bird was also just a ruse, you know, some kind of a drone or some sort of a thing that just was there to contain like tear gas tear explosives gas and a flashbang or something yeah, weird like exactly. that. Yeah. And it's like I don't know if he put those into his pet bird or if the bird itself <laughs> wasn't even real. But either way, it's like it's his still only pretty amazing. companion in this life. <laughs> Is just there as subterfuge to help him murder people. It's so good. It is so uh, yeah. good. I love all yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, meanwhile, you know, as he's taking over the syndicate, Faye and Spike and Jet have reunited on the Bebop. Um, and there's a dogfight going on in, like, the upper atmosphere. And they don't really tell you 
who starships these are. Are they Red Dragon like fighter? I think they got to be the Syndicate. Is it the Syndicate? Okay, yeah. Spike says something about how they probably followed Faye. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it's that makes sense. Syndicate's trying to track down and wipe out all of them. Yeah, it's a cool. It's I love the animation in that scene. I thought it's amazing. And then I mean, also it's set to you know some smooth jazz, a little road to the west, the callback Mm -hmm. from the first episode. Love it. So good. Yeah, that moment kills me every single time. Yeah, the animation in this episode is fucking incredible. Yeah, It, it struck me again because I find so often anime will. If they're doing like a two-part finale for their show, the first part they'll kind of like cheap out on the animation because they're saving it all for the last episode where they're oh, going to yeah. have this big blowout. And instead, this one is so gorgeous and so filled with like just incredibly intricate, fluid sequences. I love all the stuff where Julia is in that beautiful red old 50s car and uh those people are chasing her on the road and oh yes shooting out their tires like every oh, shot that is yeah. so cool it's so good just the way like uh, the bodies are like flying like being flung from the car yeah. and tumbling tumbling mm-hmm. through the air yeah that's it's so good i love her whole look there too where she's got the shades and the brown trench coat and the unbelievable hair she has like the most gorgeous hair in like all of anime it's <laughs> insane it looks like it was such a pain in the ass to animate <laughs> but she really I, I don't know she looks like i was trying to figure out if it was an exact visual reference she kind of looks like kim novak in vertigo or like uh, some other yes. mm. femme fatale from mm-hmm. something driving like along that pacific coast mm-hmm. highway you know with that particular outfit she really looked like a femme fatale from a golden age film noir. yeah absolutely do you want to just go ahead and just talk about real folk blue because there are two parts of the yeah, same episode yeah. we might let's, as well let's yeah get into it might as, i mean so like everything goes down from there and it happens in such quick succession vicious tries to tie up some loose ends that means that annie is murdered um pretty like immediately julia is killed in a gunfight it's brutal to watch spike retreats back to the bebop after having seen you know the love of his life be killed he has one last meal with Jet. I think it's bell peppers and beef. It is. Oh, man. Um, and then he has a frustrating conversation with Faye, who basically begs Spike to not leave, which is the sensible thing to do. And I have thoughts about that. Mm. So then basically Spike heads back to the Red Dragon compound, and he tears through all of them like Neo in the first Matrix in the lobby scene. And it's yeah. wild uh, and pretty cool to watch. I guess one of their, I guess it's like a compatriot who is Lin's twin brother, whose name is Shin, who showed up in the previous episode. We didn't really talk about him, but he gets gunned down, and it's really sad to see. And He's the one guy who's on Spike's Spike side, side. yeah. On the inside. And I love that moment where he comes back to the syndicate, and Vicious is just like, why are you here? Like, yeah. I know you betrayed me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And yet... Vicious is in power and so secure in his position at this point that he doesn't even care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's just like, not threatened. I at don't all. know what you think you're doing, but it doesn't matter. It to doesn't me, matter you anymore. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And he ends up dying in the final gunfight. And yeah. It's sad. It he is sad. Basically, has the exact same arc as his brother. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty brutal. Um, and so, yeah, you get Spike and Vicious dueling to the death. Both men are yeah. mortally wounded. And then Spike turning his back on Vicious' corpse. 
walks down a burned out staircase in the red dragon compound utters one last bang and he he seemingly dies and that is the end of cowboy bebop yeah end of the show brutal just brutal (laughs) brutal it is see you later space cowboy (laughs) (laughs) oh man it hits so hard this time because ah i had always loved these episodes but to watch it again and be like he really felt he had no other choice but to essentially just go die and Uh. it's so depressing that he chose in the end his only possible chance at self-actualization was to go die in a gunfight with his former friend and it just feels like such a waste yeah it really does Mm -hmm. it's like oh god you just threw it all away man yeah it's a waste it's just like watching someone throw their entire life away like someone willingly choose to throw away their entire life when they could easily just choose to be happy yeah and that moment at the end where he you know makes a gun with his finger and says bang yeah that's him his only sense of freedom is to kind of be a shit and to just like joke about a situation but at this point he's given up everything yeah you know for that yeah and it's weird because like maybe the i feel like there's a temptation to romanticize what he does is like ultra cool and so badass and like parts of it are very entertaining and cool to watch and then I think, again, like we, we talked about how you change your orientation to certain pieces of media and maybe understand it a little bit better. I think that Watanabe is definitely saying, like, this was a waste. Like, you should yeah. not have done no, this. No, that hit me very powerfully watching it again. I was like, yeah, yeah this sucks. Yeah. This sucks mm-hmm. that this had to happen, according to him. So a choice that they made in this last episode is they don't play tank at the beginning of it. They just have a small Cowboy Bebop logo and they launch right into Julia and Spike's confrontation with the music box playing. And part of the reason they did this was so that they could have this really extended credit sequence set to mm-hmm. Yoko Kano's Blue, where it's like, all of the plot has been dispensed with all this incredible action and now we're just seeing the credits over the slow pan up to the stars as you know yoko kano just gets to go sicko mode on the music one more time and weaponize it i i realized oh yeah they wanted to save up a lot of time for that sequence so that you could really sit in your feels at the end of this episode and i think it was such a smart choice to like give that end credits and that song so much real estate because it really lets you consider after all the cool action has passed just what has happened on an emotional level and it really really hits and it ends then with this like beautiful black and white uh sort of charcoal drawing of spike just face Mm -hmm. down and it says you're gonna carry that weight uh, yeah, which is Oof. of course the the lyric from the final Beatles album, and yeah. I feel like that is such a it at once like it really resonates because you're like, yeah, I mean we're all carrying the weight of just what this show did to us and yeah. the emotional impact of it, but also it's a king move by Watanabe really being like I'm gonna <laughs> tie my show in to the greatest career in music of a single band just <laughs> mic drop with that deal with fucking it. rules oh man yeah yeah i was really very choked up watching these episodes again man it hits hard every yeah. single time and for different reasons 
So there were a few things that I just caught watching these yeah. last four, which were just, again, like the themes of belonging and choosing the people to whom you belong and then like who you choose to reject and like what relationships you choose to grow or which ones you choose to allow die. And so like there was that quote from uh, Sister Clara um, and that was in relation to like Ed perhaps finding their father. And then also like it could be extended to just like, all right, well, perhaps these people do not care about me and so I should leave. But then Faye, I think in the same episode says, belonging is the very best thing there is. And then I think what an episode later, um, let's see. No, two episodes later, Vicious says that Spike is a beast that has lost his place. He has nowhere to return to now. He will come. So like, it's just this idea that like, if you choose to avoid or choose to not grow the present relationships or the present connections that you have, which is I think what Spike ultimately does. He rejects his relationship with Faye. He rejects a further relationship with Jet and instead chooses to kind of be like mired down again, like we've talked about into like this thing from the past, then he can't go anywhere except just to, you know, stuff that he is still obsessed with. And that's ultimately what leads to like his demise. That's just it. He's he's a stray cat now, and he has absolute freedom. But when heartbreak hits him, it it costs him everything. Yeah, yeah. So the whole the cat joke, which I love so much. I love how sad and forced their laughter is because they already know that this is the last time they're hanging out. And Jet, like, he really breaks my heart in that scene. Yeah, because he's so happy that Spike's back, and it's just so unconcealed for once that he's glad that spike's back and he didn't expect it at all and it's the last time they ever see each other yeah but one thing i was thinking about just with that is the whole stray cat idea and relating to this tiger stripe cat and all that i feel like that was a reference to the robert altman movie the long goodbye Hmm. which um i don't know if you've seen recently but like the whole movie is about Elliot Gould's Philip Marlowe looking for his lost cat. And Elliot Gould in that movie looks exactly like Spike Spiegel. It's not something people bring up that much because, I don't know, there are a few other references and, like, Loop on the Third's the most obvious reference. But, like, he really looks like Elliot Gould in that movie. He's lanky. He has that exact hair. He has that exact sort of demeanor just going around sadly smoking cigarettes and stuff. And I felt like that particular story was an explicit reference to that visual that they were indebted to. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I haven't heard anyone else really bring that up. But No, it's interesting. What do you think eventually happens to Jet and Faye? So I was thinking about both of them a lot more watching the finale again because i i had always been more i guess in sort of spike's pov and when he died the whole thing was just over but yeah i was thinking a lot more about this time about how for them spike being with them on the bebop for both Faye and even for jet is gonna be this sort of brief episode in their lives now because they're gonna go on living and they're going to look back at that fleeting time when he was there and obviously like his presence will always be with them and they'll always remember him but it will have been this one episode where it's like oh we spent this time with this guy and he was really charismatic and cool and we really cared about him and then he just left and never came back yeah 
Yeah. And I mean, we've both lost people and it's a weird thing where it's like you go on living and that person was with you for a specific amount of time. Yeah. And it never seems like they're diminished in any way by your life continuing on, but it does feel more and more like there was this incident, this isolated time when I was around another person and it had this effect on me and then they were gone. Absolutely. I think about that and I wondered I wondered this time if maybe long term it would have a positive effect on Faye and Jet. Faye and Jet. In that I think Faye has her memories, she has her sense of identity, she at least has a sense now of there could be people in the present who I could belong to and who I could feel some sense of importance around. Yeah. Like, I understand who I am and I understand that I can't get my past back, but that I could have, like, a relationship with people in the present. And, I mean, I think first she's going to be really self-destructive and drink a bunch. Oh, of and course. waste all her money and just generally behave just be the way a mess. that she always does. Just yeah, be a she's mess. just going to be a mess, as yeah. usual. But I think that she's at least has a more complete sense of self. She She has this wholeness to her that she hadn't previously and i wonder with jet too they kind of pointedly have him get shot in the leg in the finale and you think okay so now he's down an arm and he may also be down in a leg is he actually going to retire and go full dad mode now and accept that and it's like maybe he should have a long while before or a this. long time before that yeah that's and interesting maybe this is that last push where he's gonna be more settled into okay i'm not a cop i'm not a gangster i'm not a bounty hunter i'm none of that anymore but i have other things that i appreciate and i need to you know actually like settle in engage with those things exactly i like that idea i like the idea of ed and ein being okay together and i don't know if i necessarily think that jet and Faye have to have any type of connection in the future but I like the idea of them being able to check in with each other because p- perhaps they seem like they are the two adults out of the three that at least it seems like they could potentially choose something hopeful for themselves. Whereas for Spike, like we see that like he obviously did not choose that for himself. Yeah, and they share an experience now. At mm-hmm. least two. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, shout outs to Alfredo as well. For moving on and perhaps getting a prestige gig. He's no longer <laughs> Hell yeah. no Absolutely. longer doing those stereotypes. <laughs> He's moving on to and finding out mm-hmm. where his value is at. My man oh. Alfredo. Love that. I hope he just ended up being like a really great supporting player <laughs> on like a David Simon style <laughs> drama. You know what I mean? I hope he like settled into like a Clark Peters. Oh yes! <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be so great. I love that. I love that this show even gave us resolution for the big shot. That's so awesome. Dude. We had no reason to ever give us that, and then they did, and it just warmed my heart. Yeah, yeah. And it's just oh, a little extra richness to the world yes. of it. Oh, so good. Totally. How do you want to rank our episodes? Ooh, uh,. I mean, I think we gotta we gotta go bottom to top. Yeah, I I put the two parters as single episodes. Did you split them up? I split them up. Interesting. I split okay. them up. Well, yeah, I did the full long twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 
Um, do you want to? I'll go first. You go ahead. I'll go, go first. Ahead. All right, yeah, here yeah. we go. Uh, Boogie Woogie Feng Shui at yeah, uh, 26. Uh, mm-hmm. At 25, Pirola Fu. Wow! Yeah, man. Oh wow. yes, I went oh, in there that hard. Is shocking! <laughs> you? Yes. Mm-hmm. You're a little troll boy. I see how it is. <laughs> yep. All right. And this uh, is also, I guess, I should also put this disclaimer at uh, yeah. the beginning, which is, I love all of these episodes, just about. The, so this it's is, it's. So I can't even say it's, that I'm even insane. ragging on any of them. I think they're great. Um, That's the thing. Yeah. Looking at the bottom of my list, and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm already into episodes I love. Exactly. Like, so fast. Mm-hmm. It's yep. crazy. At 24, Gateway Shuffle. Uh-huh. Uh, 23, Toys in the Attic. Interesting. Yeah. 22, Stray Dog Strut. Mm-hmm. 21, Jamming with Edward. 20, Mushroom Samba. 19, Cowboy Funk. 18 wild horses 17 waltz for venus 16 speak like a child 15 my funny valentine 14 heavy metal queen 13 honky tonk woman 12 bohemian rhapsody 11 ganymede elegy 10 asteroid blues what yes yes man you're yes. wild, dude. Yeah. I could not have predicted your list in a million years. Crazy. Oh, All right, go boy. Ahead. Go All right. Ahead. Ten Asteroid Blues. Yeah. Nine Real Folk Blues Part Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Eight Interesting. Sympathy for the Devil. Mm. Seven Ballad of Fallen Angels. Let's see. Six Hard Luck Woman. Five Black Dog Serenade. Four Brain Scratch. Three Jupiter Jazz Part Two. Two real folk blues part one, one Jupiter Jazz part one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jupiter Jazz part one is fucking amazing. It's amazing. Dude. Yeah. It, it might be my favorite half hour of the show as well. I think it's definitely the best directed half I hour think so. of the show. Yeah. And my list is definitely different because I combined those two. Yeah, Also because yeah, yeah. I just didn't make, like, insane ranking choices. <laughs> wow. What? No, no. All right. Crazy. Let, let, let's, okay, let's hear your No, point. no. I Fascinating. Because you know what? It's like you said. We both love all of these yeah. episodes. So it's yeah. just really interesting how we were feeling. How we were feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just do so, it. Yeah. So I just have 24. I'm curious. So I go at number 24, of course, it's going to be asteroid blues you know what? obviously we both don't what? like that episode that much no i'm kidding what <laughs> it's it's boogie no. woogie feng shui oh, obviously I had a heart attack i just want to mess with you oh, a no. oh no you emotionally toyed with me oh, no. no 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 all right so at 23 i have stray dog strut Mm-hmm. 22 gateway shuffle mm-hmm. 21 heavy metal queen mm. which is an episode i really like yeah I mean, yeah i was like wow he has it a lot higher than me and i don't feel like it's it's not out of any dislike at Mm-mm. all it's just nope. hard to like put it ahead of some of these i fair. guess because they're That's also fair. good so at 20 i have bohemian rhapsody okay 19 my funny valentine 18 toys in the attic okay 17 wild horses 16 okay. cowboy funk 15 mm. honky tonk women mm. which is just a really solid yeah like, just middle of the road yeah. episode mm-hmm. it introduces i'm with you on that we're not yeah. that far we're not that far yeah. off on that one 14 i had jamming with edward huh. 13 speak like a child 12 okay. ganymede elegy Ooh, we were close 11, on that one yeah yeah it's a really it, it is a real like just hovering outside the top 10 yeah episode uh 11 sympathy for the devil Okay. And then here's my top 10. It's okay. 
mushroom samba. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize you liked it. What? Top 10. Okay. Top 10. All right. I feel like right there at the 10. It's just, it's the most fun. It is fun. Yeah, I I agree. It's so entertaining. Yeah. Number nine is Perot LeVu. What? <laughs> no! Yes! No! That episode's incredible! Okay, all right. You're crazy. You're crazy. Anyway, moving on. What? Uh, at eight, I had Someone come movies. get Alex. Someone come get Alex and don't let him read the rest of this. <laughs> no, I'm just, just kidding. Hold, I'm so just sorry. Just hold the fuck on, Come on. All right. What was your number? All right. All right. What was it? So again? at number eight, I have Waltz for Venus. Okay. Which that okay. episode yeah, just it's hits a, so it, hard. it does. It's, it does. It's not a great episode on the animation side. It's one of the cheaper looking episodes, but mm-hmm. like, it's I, good. I mean, the, the story's the just story so is good. amazing. It even yeah. 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 I yeah. agree. So yeah, that lands there. At number seven, I had Black Dog Serenade, which okay. is just great. I mean, yeah. it's got to be like high up. Yep. Number six now is Hard Luck Woman, which I had that one as well at number six. Oh yeah, number yeah. six. Uh-huh. And I mean, for me, I don't think I ever would have thought to rank it so high yeah. on previous watches. Yes. But this time I was like, oh man, it's gonna be tough to like keep yes. this out of my top five. Like it's like right outside there because mm-hmm. it's so good. So and good. It, just emotionally hit me so hard. Yeah. So for me, number five is Brain Scratch. Okay. Yeah. Number four, Jupiter Jazz. Three, I had Ballad of Fallen Angels. Mm-hmm. Two, Asteroid Blues. Yeah. And one, The Real Folk. The Real Folk Blues. Blues. Okay. Yeah. And it's funny because The Real Folk Blues is tonally pretty different from a lot of bebop. It's more serious yeah it's very aggressively like leaning into this noir gangster storyline and mm-hmm. it's kind of eschewing away a lot of the fun and experimentation of earlier in the series which mm-hmm. is what i love about the show don't get yeah. me wrong yeah but watching it again and thinking about it a lot i was like the thing about the real folk blues is it kind of reframes the entire series in the sense that if it hadn't ended in this way that was so powerful and so definitive and made the whole show feel so complete i don't think i could with such abandon love every single episode that came before Mm, you know yeah if every single episode had just been a goofy like fun wild genre experiment and then the last episode had just kind of been like uh, whatever we're just joking around and doing this sort of flippant thing and then mm-hmm. it ends without any real resolution i would still love the show yeah and i would still totally understand the show ending that way mm-hmm. like that would be very much in the spirit of it too but the fact that it puts so strong of a point on the ending where you're really like oh this is a complete story and I can just enjoy every part of it and also think of it as this particular work. Anything you could add on to it, say the movie that they did later or, you know, the live action adaptation or any further thing will stand apart from what Cowboy Bebop was, which was just this singularly great season of television that began and ended on its own terms. And I think that I got to put the ending at number one, as I said, because like that ending really shifts your perspective on the whole show that's interesting okay no i yeah it's like 
yeah, you can't watch it again too without thinking about how how it this ends. is all leading up to Spike's death, and it it gives it a little more weight. Yeah, all throughout. Yeah, weight that you're going to carry. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, no, I um, I don't disagree with your top 10 except for Perot LeFou. That's just like the wrong, <laughs> that's the wrong answer to that okay. one. So, right. sure, sure. Um, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I just want to tell <laughs> no, you that no I'm correct. Yeah, fine. I'm correct oh, on okay. this. Great. So, <laughs> mm, just saying. I mean, we were pretty, uh, we weren't too far off on a lot of these. I don't think yeah, so. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like we were both saying, if we love all these episodes, so oh. it's like if we put one at, 15 versus 20 like that it doesn't matter yeah oof yeah you know what do you want to just stop this podcast right now and go watch more of this i was thinking about this right now okay (laughs) well speaking of that oh no i do think gotta go back and add that movie in we don't necessarily we can even release it after this yeah i'm fine with that yeah 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 Yeah, i'm fine with um but I was talking with Blue, and she really, God, oh, man. Oh. She said something that was just a total fucking check and mate on us not doing the movie, which is... I don't want to know. She said, she said, do you guys really want to be the podcast that covered the many saints of Newark and didn't cover oh, the Cowboy God. Movie? Oh, God. Oh, God. And when she said it like that, I was like, my hands are tied. <laughs> You need better friends. My hands I, are I think you need better friends. <laughs> Stop hanging out with that person. Uh, they're, unfortunately, they're right. They are right. <laughs> okay, Blue, you win. Yeah, we Check can dash animate. off a quick yeah. one of those real quick. Yeah, I really want to watch it again, too. Yeah, honestly. me too. After yeah. watching this show, I was like, I'm just jonesing for that little mm-hmm. extra bit of it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. great show. I yeah, mean, great show. I guess just to wrap up, you know. Uh, well, actually, a few more little things, just like kind of some funny behind the scenes business. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who was the series director of the dub, I think just did an absolutely amazing job. I watched um. the entire show subbed and dubbed again for this pod, and I really do prefer the dub. Mm, it's yeah. the only anime I would ever say this about, but I think the English voice actors really made these characters their own and did just an incredible job with them. But uh, it was a funny thing. So I think I mentioned this, that Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, in addition to directing, also portrays Julia in these last two episodes. Mm -hmm. The thing I didn't know, though, is that she is married to Steve Bloom. No! They got married in, like, 2013, dude. Watanabe, what? Just bringing people together? Oh, that's a happy story after all. I know, right? But it's still so crazy. That's like, so wild. This dude, this character got so deep in his DNA <laughs> that he married Julia. <laughs> but I that think they funny. actually ended up like meeting and hooking up during like the dubbing session originally oh, okay. for it. Yeah, oh, so. Man. Oh. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He was talking about another show that he dubbed after this. He played the lead uh, Mugen on Samurai, Samurai Shampoo in the dub. And he talked about how after Bebop, where essentially it was just him and Mary and a sound engineer doing the dub, and those were the only people they had no real oversight, and they just had total creative freedom, that Samurai Shampoo 
Sunrise and like Watanabe's producers were actually there directing the English dub. Wow. And he said it was one of the only times it happened, but it was like it seemed that the English dub had been so successful and mm-hmm. the 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 American version of the show had become such a big hit mm-hmm. that the original Japanese production team was like, oh, we actually need to like take ownership over this right. for our other series because this is how they're going to be seen by right. a ton of people. Yeah, And yeah. I don't think that that held for very long after that, but it is just sort of striking about how that little aside that he had about, you know, how this was a kind of weird, annoying dubbing process on this later show mm-hmm. sort of opens up just how anime was becoming so much more mainstream and was getting to such a larger audience, you mm-hmm. know? And I think yeah. Cowboy Bebop is just so instrumental in that. I mean, it's it's like kind of the perfect gateway anime. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Remember when I told you that I hadn't seen Samurai Shampoo? Yeah, yeah. I have seen parts of Samurai Samplu. (laughs) I'd forgotten for some reason. Yeah, I was just kind of like, wait, where have I heard this before? I don't think I've seen it. And then I turned it on and I was like, wait, yes, I have. Like, how could I have completely forgotten, like, the intro? It's amazing. And it's, like, totally right up my alley. But, yeah, just I don't think I ever finished it, but I have definitely seen uh, a few of those episodes. I had a, a similar experience. After we talked, I went back and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember starting this show. Yes. And it, it definitely had this sort of shock value impact of like, oh, my God, all of these people who are involved in Cowboy Bebop are doing another show. And it's about samurai. And, and it's about rap hip-hop. music. Yeah. And I ended up watching the whole thing again. And I was like, oh, no, wait, I actually did watch this entire show. And I realized why I didn't mm-hmm. remember that because the show actually falls off really quickly and actually isn't that memorable yeah. as a whole. I mean, yeah. my feeling about it was kind of that where Watanabe and crew had such a deep set of references to draw on with Bebop. I feel like they didn't have as much of an understanding of hip-hop culture and like possible touch points for that so that like it just it doesn't feel nearly as well integrated on that show that show is almost completely just an Edo period samurai Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i i just would have loved if it had had a bit more uh anachronistic flavor to it but they don't Mm -hmm. lean Super they don't lean into that, that at all. And, no. And the characters just aren't as good, honestly. Uh, no. You know, like, no. Mugen isn't that compelling. Uh, Jin no. is actually a Jin is cool character. Cool character, I like yes. him okay, but he's also kind of tropey, to be honest. I mean, he's just got, like, a little extra depth to him. And Fu is terrible. Like, yeah, is, Fu is... Uh, all of the female characters on that show yeah. are really, really weak. And it's it's really striking after Faye, who... Yeah, exactly it feels like a regression. Right, but doesn't character. it feel like a regression? A huge regression. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Surprising. And just watching that again, I was like, in so many ways, this really is a sequel series to Cowboy Bebop. And it's not as good, but it's separated enough. He knew, I think Watanabe knew enough to like let Cowboy Bebop stand on its own. He mm-hmm. added the movie, but that was basically it. And he was like, and that's my final statement on it. Yeah. And yeah, he's going to do other series. He's going to do other things that might feel similar, but he's not going to keep coming back to the particular well of these characters. And I'm kind of grateful for it. Very much so. Very much so. I think you said it. And I mean, the only two cents that I would just really add is just like, 
if you have love for any, I think almost just like any drama, just like any or any genre, it's like whether it's film noir, whether it's westerns, whether it is sci-fi, whether it's crime, how amazing is it that you could take all of these elements and then like add to it a ridiculously talented composer and create this just wonderful blend that is its own like self-contained story with these memorable characters that you know is it's serialized in some ways but then in other ways it just feels like i could toss on an episode of cowboy bebop and like not catch up with it for like another three months and even still know that that was satisfying right sure and just have a great time with that exactly tight 20 minute story that resolves itself so well yeah it's incredible it's so good i'm so glad we watched it again it was the right choice it was definitely the right choice yeah you know what it's time for though right oh yeah yep (laughs) getting to be that time ladies and gentlemen be that time Yeah, yeah let's name some episodes here we go all right I was so busy putting together all of the stuffs that I really only have two. I think I've only got two, which is not much <laughs> different than normal, but I feel like this is a good reason. This is a good excuse, okay? All right, all right. You've had a lot going on. Yes. I understand. Yeah, all we, right. We both have, for sure. All right, we have, yeah. You went to a bump-ass comic book store. <laughs> <laughs> I found out I wasn't in an adult state. You found uh, out. I've just been dealing with that, yeah. <laughs> and you're ready to leave. Okay, here we go. Number one, Jack Bender directed during this season four episode of Lost, during which a flash forward Saeed carries out an assassination and a present day Saeed makes a deal to get rid of Miles while getting hostage Charlotte Lewis in return. Okay, so is this the season four opener? Um, It's season four. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, know. Yes. I know. I know you did that to me. I get it. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't think it's the opener, but let me just double check. No, I don't think it is either, no. but I think it's early in the season. I want to say. See. Oh, it's the third episode. The so you're right. The third episode. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, man. Um, hmm. A little hint about the name of the episode, because I feel like I know it, dude. I it's really do. It's two words, and mm-hmm. it's also the name of a magazine. The name of a magazine? Yeah. It's not Rolling Stone. <laughs> it's not Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Um, <laughs> shit, man. Hmm. I know it's not like Vanity Fair. No. <laughs> I'm just thinking of magazines now, but you throw me for a loop. I thought it was... I thought it was a very like, I thought it was a very like westernized reference that was ironic because it was a story about Saeed being in the Middle East. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I'd say you're wrong in that on that one. Saeed is not in the okay. Middle East on that one. I don't think. No. No, he's not mm-hmm. anymore. No. Oh, I must no. be thinking of a different one. Yeah, this isn't a flash forward. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 This is the start. Yeah. The flash forwards because we're post season. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it comes yeah. after the episode confirmed dead, but before the episode uh-huh. Egg Town. Yeah. Shit, man. Now I forgot. Giving up. All right. Mm-hmm. It's called The Economist. Oh, damn it. I did know that. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yep. Oh, man. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. These things happen. Eh, yeah. What are you going to do? Okay. On to number two. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, here we let's go. keep rolling. Let's keep rolling. All right, here we go. In this season one episode of Atlanta, we enter a world where Justin Bieber is black. <laughs> oh, you know man. the episode. I know, of course yeah, I know the episode. You know the episode. It's just like, what yeah, is yeah, the actual yeah. title, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's like... um. Isn't it? It's something like the Bieber situation or something. Uh, close. Oh. You're coming close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, on yeah. Right. yeah, uh, yeah. She's playing basketball. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the episode where Paperboy uh, plays in a celebrity basketball event. <laughs> and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Paperboy so is one of the best like, TV characters ever. He's so good. Yeah. And- I feel like Brian Tyree Henry has done so much like serious dramatic work since Atlanta that yeah. it's like shifted my perspective on him when he's just so he's so like deadpan funny. Oh, hilarious! Show, you know, hilarious. Ah, God, it's yeah, it's something. Is Bieber in the title of the episode? A version, like a variation on Bieber. Yes. Oh, is it the Biebs? Close. You're getting yeah. You're onto Fuck. it. That's like half of it. Yeah. Ah. Ah, ah, ah. It's four words. You got two of them. God damn it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Is Bieber's playing basketball yeah, too, right? Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. It's something he keeps saying. He mm, has like a line he keeps saying, right? Maybe. I can't remember specifically. It's been, it's been too long right for me to say for it. that. Yeah. Um, nah, I can't remember exactly. Giving it up. It's giving it up. Giving it up. Goose egg today, man. Let me see here. Hmm. All right. What? What is it? It's called. uh, It's not just the Beebs. It's called nobody beats the Beebs. Oh yes. God damn it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yep. Oh man, give me one more, real oh, quick. Oh God, okay. just, no, just one you more. just come on. Oh my God, oh, okay. Let me, let me redeem myself a little. Oh, bit. Just a little bit. no, here he is, just doing it again. <laughs> just doing it again. Uh, <laughs> doing it again. Um, okay, let me see if I can come up with one on the fly, but it's got to be one that's definitely a humiliation. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Because you begged for it. Damn. Ask and you shall receive, Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's Just give see. me a chance to get a little of my dignity back. Okay. So, okay, here we go. Season 4.5 oh, of no. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yes. Yep, okay, okay. Directed by Michael Nankin and written by, I believe, Bradley Thompson and David Weddle. One, two, three. I don't know those guys, do you? Four four words in the title. Mm. Um, and Mm. let's see. I'm trying to see if I can come up with a uh summary here. Okay, so in this episode, Saul Ty sees a vision of his deceased wife during the destruction of a specific planet. And let's see what else happens. Oh, yes. The humans and the Cylons are disillusioned after fighting what they believe to have been their home world of Earth or the final colony, mm. which is supposed to be Earth. Yeah. Okay. Is this uh, sometimes a great notion? There you go. You got it. Oh, there you go. thank yes. God. There ah. you go. Yes. Oof. That's you the were gonna season have a 4.5 opener, time. right? 
I think it's yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, ah, uh, yeah. After the great Ken Kesey novel, yeah, yes, which mm-hmm. is about uh, you know what this the great notion is, right? Hit me with it again. It's it's walking into the sea. Ah, uh, that's right. Yes, because, that's right. Which, that's right. That's right. That's right. Which is what Saltai does at the end. It, yeah, and mm-hmm. it it actually is very thematic. It actually is very thematic. This episode <laughs> yes, too. It really is. Sometimes Ooh. you have the notion to just go off Ooh. to your own destruction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Thank God it was one I knew. <laughs> Oh, I was really, oh, boy. I was, I was feeling raggedy there, yeah. man. Uh, but uh, uh, that was great, man. I am so glad. I, it's, it's the situation. I, I have this feeling like I don't want to let go. I don't yeah. want to let go of. This oh, shit. really? You don't want to let go of something that's been, behind you? It's just been such a great experience. Exactly. I'm gonna have to carry that weight, man. <laughs> ah. Oh boy. But, uh, but it's been so, so awesome talking about it with you, man. I hope we did it some justice. I hope yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. This has been a great run. Yeah. Um. So aside from potentially doing the Cowboy Bebop movie next, and I mean, we'll we'll slide an Are You Current in there too, because there's so much current tv that i want to talk about dude honestly i was thinking about i was like we got to have a list now because there's been so much so much yeah probably even since the last time we even talked about it absolutely you know that we've seen Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so we'll slot both of those in but do we want to say what the the next season the next goat season is gonna be (sighs) i don't i i know what it is i know what it is but i don't want to say it yeah i don't want to say it well okay you want to you want to save it for the are you current i think we can announce it then I think we could. That'd be fun. Or, I mean, how do you feel about it? Because I feel like you were just chomping at the bit to, like, let people I, I'm know. I'm down. I, I mean, you go know. ahead. You know what? We know, listeners. Yeah, we no, know. we know. We know. You don't need to know. You, <laughs> you keep listening. I You'll find you, out. That's, I think you. <laughs> How's that? Is, that? is that too passive aggressive? <laughs> no, I'm fine. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. We'll, that's we'll Phil Core right to the, to the heart of the matter right there. That is a. I've learned from the master, you know? <laughs> About we, my Shaolin master and withholding over here. Emotional withholding. <laughs> yeah. It's <yeah>. terrible. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but uh, no, this has been awesome, dude. Yeah, Can't man. wait. Can't wait to record again. Yeah, uh, man. Maybe we'll slide in that movie of sometime course. soon. But uh, for now, I will just say thank you, listeners, everybody out there. Thank you to the maybe thousand Russian bots who listened to our last episode. Or uh, if you're real people, my apologies. Welcome. I hope you listened to this one too. Who knows? That was super weird though. We so appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed. And uh, we will be back soon with another episode of Goat Season. I also just want to thank Janice O'Leary for doing our artwork. Josh Sullivan for our intro music. And Battlequake for our outro. And the thing I forgot to say, you can also hit us up on our Instagram at goat season pod, or you can also send us an email at goat season pod at gmail.com. And we will see you soon. Peace. Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.